Hey everybody, this is Stephen Carter, the host of your favorite podcast, The Strategist Pod, reminding you constantly that if you're terrible at running campaigns, at least you can run a podcast that's also terrible. Uh, joining me, as always, is my co-host with Zero Principles, Corey Hogan. Hello. And for the first time ever, uh, we'd like to extend a warm welcome to our friend David Kahn. The only thing worse than running shitty campaigns is running a shitty party. But um, <laughs> all the single ladies out there, you know, you got kids. I want kids. <laughs> I like David Kahn. He's smart. And like, I mean, when he said that he worked in, you know, laying pipe in like Fort Mac. <laughs> and also joining us. For the first time, uh, co-host of the Big Shiny Takes podcast, Marino Greco. Marino, how are you doing today? No, no. <laughs> it's Margaret Thatcher. I'm Margaret Thatcher. <laughs> nah, nah, it's me. Hello. Oh, man, I hope Margaret Thatcher isn't listening to this. She's going to be so pissed. <laughs> yeah, oh, fuck. <laughs> Imagine, do you think that's like, do you think hell is listening to your least favorite podcast? <laughs> Over and over again. Eric, do you want to introduce Austin, our guest? Because this isn't the strategist. I, sorry if you were listening and... Um... And you were convinced by our, our very solid bit. It was a solid bit. It was that a good is bit. Abdul Malik, our guest from today. Co-host of the Off-Cord program. And... Um, he's also part of the Harbinger Media Network. Where we where are we talking about today? My what? name is Jeremy, by the way. My name is Eric. <laughs> I am a co-host of the Big Shiny Takes podcast. I am not actually Stephen Carter. My head is normal sized, and um, I don't look like a baby. And today we're here to talk about academic freedom. Um, and 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 why equity is a bad thing. Um, right. So two... we're talking about Norman Finkelstein, right? For talking oh. about academic freedom. Well, it's crazy. That's not what either column's about. Oh, okay. But we're talking about Valentina Azarova, right? No. No, we're not. Okay, okay. But we're talking about George Ciccarello Mark, right? I mean, who, like, who else would we be talking about? <laughs> we could be talking about none of those people. Um, we're going to be stuck <laughs> talking about... Dr. Deborah So today. Do you guys know who Ooh. she is? Well, I guess, I think, yeah, she's a woman of science. A person <laughs> of science. Person. She's, she's a woke BIPOC woman of color. Uh, she is a girl boss. <laughs> um, she does slay. She, she does. She does indeed slay. She sashays. <laughs> um, <clears throat> you know, she has her own website. Derdebraso.com. Uh, her book has been endorsed by both Steven Pinker and Richard Dawkins. Um, her book, by the way, is called The End of Gender, Debunking the Myths About Sex and Identity in Our Society. Um, so you can guess, you can guess her thoughts on, uh, you know, a wide variety of topics. Yeah, no, oh, her book. Sorry, go ahead, Abdul. Her book also, her website also has a clear list of where you can find her books on places such as Amazon, Amazon.ca, Barnes and Noble, Indigo, Audible, um, <laughs> which should sponsor Big Shiny Takes, um, yeah, and a bunch of other. I would love I to seen. read if like, anyone um, from Audible, like Ulysses, for Audible. <laughs> yeah, we should read the books. Well. 
Um, yeah. I would love it if you did a 12 rules for life, actually, just in your Peterson impression. <laughs> just like 18 yeah. hours of you screaming into the microphone would be a lot of fun. But Dr. Deborah So is probably like the worst, the worst of all the intellectual dark web people in terms of prominence and effective communications like she's such a c-lister in that that group of uh of you know weird grifter goblin yeah, types. yeah she's like she's like one step above uh god sod god sod is probably the ugliest person uh to ever live both inside and outside <laughs> And that's why not even like these like uh, free speech grifters uh, have any respect for him. Her bio on her website, by the way, is particularly bad where she's like, as a journalist, Dr. So writes about the science of human sexuality, politics and academic censorship. She also has a podcast and she used to be the sex columnist for Playboy.com. Allegedly, yeah, well, no, allegedly, and that's I'm from sure. my understanding. She is a the doctor comes from uh, her being a PhD in neuroscience, like focused on sexuality. Yeah, yeah, she did a a specific study while she was at York University. Oh, hey, I think there's a couple alum on this podcast. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. she devalues your degree very much with this column. I will say. Have you checked out her podcast, by the way? I checked out her previous podcast uh, hosted by or co-hosted by Jonathan Kay, where she is clearly the weaker half. Her second episode is called Protecting Kids from Critical Race Theory. (laughs) Um, That's amazing. Her first her first episode is about uh, like why sex work is bad and exploitative. And oh, uh, episode three, Dr. Deborah So speaks with her friend and icon. Uh, again, terrible writing. I don't know if it's her friend and her icon or her friend and also an icon. Uh, Buck Angel, self identified transsexual man about becoming a successful entrepreneur. Oh, that, that, and medical- that's the guy, uh, ContraPoints got canceled for having in one of her videos, right? Uh, I don't have time to watch two-hour videos of someone speaking to a camera, so I don't know. <laughs> yeah, but, uh... I, ha- I, I haven't. I haven't watched ContraPoints in a really long time because it's like I'd rather just watch a movie. But I, I did watch. I did watch the first uh, super long episode she had, which was right after she was like apparently canceled and like lost lost subscribers, and then she just kept putting out like two hour videos and it's like okay like you may <laughs> that may not help you with the losing subscribers part just like but i, got I go against on Natalie. no i mean contrapoints is fine like people canceling her need to get life and go outside but it's like you know like i don't oh yeah i don't go on i go outside plenty um i wake up at 6 30 a.m every day to go for a walk i am flexing um <laughs> but like i I will say, like, you go on YouTube to, like, I don't know, watch a funny video and, like, a 10-minute documentary where someone repeats things he read on YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, you don't go there to listen to someone talk to you for two fucking hours about how they, they're getting canceled was the worst thing to happen to, like, socialism. You know what I mean? Like, it makes no fucking sense. Yeah, well, Deborah So is kind of in the 
this area for right-wing grifters. I'm sure she doesn't think of herself as a right-wing grifter. I'm sure she thinks of herself as some sort of a tortured academic who is being unfairly persecuted for her shitty views. Well, um, like her uh, like her uh, podcast co-host, she is an icon of the counterculture. She has 50 patrons on Patreon. That's so sad. <laughs> That's, so sad. <laughs> That's like, we're, we're, we're coming for you, Deb. Yeah, she's been on Rogan twice. Like, if that <laughs> if that's anything to go by, she is a failure of a communicator. And well, Rogan, and, there's another doctor. Yeah, right. real man of science. I mean, yeah, um, Joe Rogan is significantly better than he's just a dumb tabula rasa <laughs> yeah. interviewer, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, I would. There's not a question of any of these shitheads who I would like most to hang out with. And that's Joe Rogan. That the rest of them would be oh, so fucking doubtless. insufferable. Like, can you imagine trying to hang out with Sam Harris and he's just like badgering you about like Islam? I uh, off off pod. I have a. I'm not sure if I've told you this, but I have a good. I have a good inside baseball into what uh, Edmonton left personality is a like Sam Harris obsessive. Um, oh, I think you've told me cannot... about. It. Have I told then, you about yeah. this? Okay. But but you can tell yeah. us again off pod. I, I like to <laughs> talk shit. Um, yeah, we all love to talk shit. Yeah. Yes. I When I leave this city, my Medium article is going to be legendary. <laughs> <laughs> well, the way things are shaping up, you're probably going to be disappearing oh, fairly yes, in, soon. Inshallah. Um, Dr. Deborah So is also a... In addition to being an expert in gender and how like trans people are fake, <laughs> um, she's also a furry. Is that <laughs> am, am, am I mistaken? Is is that well, a fact? I don't know if she is a furry. She did some research about the culture. She um, she's a furry sympathizer. She's like, a furry no sympathizer. Where she she uh, wrote a paper basically explaining to people that. You know, it's not all about sex. I guess good for her for writing it. Um, there's a there's a great Toronto Sun article that you shared. <laughs> with the crew. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Written by uh, Kevin O'Connor, who, um, in my experience, is a very nice guy. Wait, no, Kevin Connor, not O'Connor. I'm sorry. <laughs> nice guy still. It's the same thing, dude. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but, um, yeah, no, uh, she was sort of the expert. He went to some, like, furry convention, I think, and talked to Deborah So about it. And I don't was she at the... I'm having trouble finding it in my browser history. Yeah, no, she was, like, she was there doing, like, field research. Um, <laughs> field? Yeah. It's like when Pete Townshed got busted with child porn. <laughs> yeah. I'm, Pete Townsend? I'm going through... I'm going through uh, Deborah So's Instagram right now. Uh, if you look at the link I just posted, this is her selfie with Ed the Sock. Ugh. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, no. Um, no. There's one of her with Tim Pool. Of course. Uh, because, of course, there Tim is. Tim Drowning uh, Pool? <laughs> let the... Let the let, I don't know. I can't think... Floor. Yeah. I was trying to think of like a good pun on let the bodies hit the floor that relates. She is a furry. There's pictures of her at a furry convention. Okay, so she <laughs> is a furry confirmed. Um, so her whole thing is that like trans people are like disgusting and shouldn't be taken seriously. But furries are really cool. What if instead of transitioning people, 
we just we gave them fur people. costumes and called fur it a suits. day. Um, yeah, why not? Yeah. It would be... Eric, don't tell me you're furry phobic. <laughs> no, yeah, no. don't be a furry. <laughs> you know, they, this is the... they will come for you. By the <laughs> they, way, yeah, and they, <laughs> they, will. they will destroy you on Twitter. Um, um. it's uh, a, <laughs> it's unbelievable watching someone with like 57 followers and like uh, a drawn cartoon <laughs> picture of themselves as a wolf just absolutely handle like a uh, a broadcaster with like 300,000 followers on Twitter. It's like one of my favorite <laughs> things to see. It's... It's the school bond, the day the school bonds dogs and the furries meet each other is going to be a fucking legendary day. <laughs> yes, but I don't know if they have an ally in Dr. Deborah So. I would I would flat out say it. The, the furries or trans people? The furries. Trans people absolutely don't. She's yeah. like a she's well, a virulent no, but, transphobe. Yeah, but but all these transphobic people are like, no, of course not. Some of my best friends are trans. It's just I want to protect women in their spaces which is also sexist but you know yeah no 100 percent. like her her entire shtick in this this column too is like it kind of delves away from her her regular lazy grift about trans people and it kind of delves into the academic freedom area that we've been finding more columns about in the globe and mail recently right so she's trying to do a jordan peterson thing i mean that's been her whole her whole shtick right she's been sort of riding his coattails i would say i mean when 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 did you start writing about trans people uh it was like very early on yeah i mean was it like, pre-peterson i'm assuming i'm assuming it was around the same time playboy was shut playboy.com was shut down um which uh was just around the time the peterson like stuff in toronto was taking off so it would have been like a pretty Again, this is just conjecture, but it, the timeline doesn't make sense. Oh, she's you know pre I mean? she's pre Peterson. She, she probably oh, influenced yeah. Peterson. Like, um, yeah, in 2015, she criticized the prevalence of childhood gender transitions, which isn't very prevalent, but um, to the extent it is, it's things like puberty blockers that can be reversed if you just stop taking them. But um, don't let that get in the way of a good time. <laughs> At uh, marginalized people's expense, of course. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, right? Like, everything that she writes about, like, she tries to pretend that she's like, no, 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 I'm looking out for people. And then she just, like, is trying to infringe on their, like, rights and their autonomy. But that's all of their shtick, though, isn't it? It's It's just, like, the fact that, like, classical liberal is like is such a distortion of the truth like even like the name classical liberal is such a like misnomer focusing on individualism that we see in the second column is also massively problematic but the idea that like you're allowed to just tell people how they have to live their lives is so so annoying to meet some sort of status quo to make Deborah so feel good or something. But but just to be know. clear, this this um these trans issues, these culture war issues, these they have nothing to do with her field of expertise, right? Her field of expertise is like the neurology of sexuality. Yeah, yeah. She wrote like a paper about paraphilia 
like her big dissertation was about hypersexuality in men, which was all about how certain men were were born with the physiology that they would be more likely to rape. Um, so she's like a very nature, not nurture kind of person, which is like highly problematic and I think plays into her like rampant transphobia. She's just coming at it from like an academic standpoint, which sucks. Yeah, that's it. horrific. <clears throat> I also don't think people should be allowed to like call themselves classical liberals without first having to explain to you in simple terms uh, who John Stuart Mill was <laughs> and like what he was about. Like, you know what yeah, I mean, like that term carries fucking absolutely no weight or meaning. Well, I, yeah. I mean, like, I feel like scratch below the surface of these classical liberals and you find a pair of calipers. it's beautiful it's beautiful um but yeah okay and and she's she's big into like anti-asian uh discrimination at universities right because that's like big right-wing talking point it's like what do you mean we're not white supremacists we think asians are great too yeah and so the woke mob is coming for asian people i've i've never heard of such thing abdullah someone who's of Asian descent. Of the Asian persuasion. Yeah. So to speak. <laughs> oh yeah. boy. Um, yeah, like the, the woke mob is never going to come for Asian people, mostly because uh, you know, we have a cabal that runs the world. Um uh but <laughs> also we stand um, China on this podcast. Oh hell yeah. Yeah, you know, um yeah, no, uh us Asians, you know, we have a book. It's called The Protocols of the Elders of Islam. No, no, you're supposed um, to say we no. have a book. It's called Quotations from Chairman Mao Zedong. Yes, I'm not that kind of Asian, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess, like, yeah, I guess I've protracted people's war knows no country. But, um, but yeah, like... You know, like, I, I understand the impulse uh, that Asians get around this because there is this, like horrific liberal sense of like especially asian liberals of like asian exceptionalism overriding like other issue other minority focused issues you know what i mean like that does exist a uh, solution that doesn't mean that people are going to be coming for asians on college campuses um but like you know i can see i can see where that impulse comes from i just think you you know if you have a brain you know of someone older than 10, you would be able to like interpret how that impulse uh, might be wrong and you should sort of deny it, right? Yeah, no, Deborah So sucks start to finish. You know, I would say that she's setting, uh, setting Asians back and I don't think that's an incorrect thing to say. But she's made it work for her. She has 35,000 Instagram followers and is not following anyone. She has reached a peak <laughs> ratio. Never trust anyone who doesn't follow anyone on social media. What is the point of having an Instagram account where you don't follow anyone? Like, I, I don't, like, you just log in and your page is blank. Like, no <laughs> well, thirst it's traps. probably your, your posts. You would probably see your posts and people interacting <laughs> with them. Like, it's really, it's really like um, narcissistic existence, right? It's just, you don't care what other people have to say your you know what pictures they take it's all about you and people embracing your glory (laughs) 
and she does seem like like looking at her website going on a deep dive through her social media like she is a narcissist you know what i mean like i'm not going to diagnose her with npd or anything but she does have a very like high opinion of herself and i think there's something very telling about the fact that she's not on twitter which is probably the only medium in which someone could in which you don't have the opportunity to like block yourself off to the point where people can't challenge you or make fun of you and you actually have to see yeah <laughs> what people are saying about you right like it it does feel like a very fragile well, uh existence she, like all things was she considered. on parlor probably oh, but like uh, honestly like yeah that doesn't it's I, an echo chamber like she's safe there the one thing that i would say about deborah so is anytime she's in her interviews like with ben shapiro or or on rogan she like stumbles ben shapiro there's a man yeah, of science a real man of reason she just kind of a facts and logic some might yeah say. she just stumbles through her answers to the questions it's like she has her prepared notes but she sucks at the whole communication thing which yeah i feel like she's like almost like a kindred spirit to Dave Rubin. I know he's had her on his uh his show a bunch. But obviously she has a PhD and he doesn't. But as listeners of this show know, any fucking idiot can get a PhD. Doesn't mean shit. Don't go to school. Fucking like learn a trade. Um <laughs> write movies. Yeah, write movies, <laughs> like read books, like learn about yourself and your culture and other people's cultures phds are like diamonds it's like applied pressure over time it's not actually a function of skill no right like it's a function of like picking something that someone else uh didn't study probably because it was boring and worthless (laughs) um and then you know make like break your entire existence on that and also then make that thing a personality trait yeah right like um 100 that's i uh, for what it's worth i do have friends who are phds um uh but they did their phds in interesting things like you know sports politics and not you know stupid things like whatever deborah so did her phd yeah. in. and she is like the walking example of like i have a phd please do not question me because like one she sounds thoroughly unconvinced by her own ideas when she's interviewed by them and two like <laughs> like her entire like persona is built around her credentials because like like i've never i've never heard a clip where she actually fully illustrates uh, a cogent idea like dr oh. sebastian gorka in like <laughs> oh, who are some other like shitty doctors dr ron paul is is a physician yeah i, I mean i i wouldn't trust him to like um be my physician but he he's one Dr. Ben Carson. Dr. Ben Carson, Dr. Oz. Um, But Dr. Ben Carson is actually like a somewhat accomplished brain surgeon. So is Dr. Oz. I think there were also rules governing like use use of doctor, but like they're in the role of a politician, like we would call him Mr. Carson in that case, like when he was campaigning. Dr. No. Should I should I kick off the Deborah So article? I don't know how you how you like we to... we prefer the guests to read because we can't. Yeah, no, um, read it. We, we extend the olive branch. We don't. Of course, we don't force anything. We know how painful these articles. Doctor Sebra Doe. Yeah, this one's a short <laughs> one though, so like we can get through it pretty fast. I'm just getting my speaking voice on. The article's uh, opinion 
Diversity, equity, and inclusion initiatives do not belong in academia. Deborah So, special to the Globe and Mail. <laughs> 748 <special>. comments. <laughs> I believe Globe and Mail used special Globe and Mail just to indicate that it's like a freelance piece. That's, so, it, it's not, there's nothing special about it. Yeah, it's quite mediocre. It, except that it's not like, it wasn't written in house, you know, it wasn't written by great minds like Conrad Yakabuski and, um, uh, John Ibbotson and Robin Urbach. Yeah. Right. Um, by the way, they did not put doctor in her name here. They said, Deborah So is a sex neuroscientist, the author of The End of Gender, and the host of the Dr. Deborah So podcast. Do- <laughs> doctor. Wait, uh, the byline Phil. doesn't say doctor? No. No, it just says Deborah So. They're hinting that it's a Dr. Ho-Souls situation. She's like Dr. Phil. Yeah. Um, Dr. Robert. You know that Beatles song? <laughs> it's an underrated. Song. Dr. Pepper. Abdul, you want to yeah, take this yeah. in? Yeah, are we just naming doctors? Yeah, we're just, just naming, naming doctors, doctors, yeah. Dr. Dre. Um, Dr. Doom. Dr. Yeah, Mario. I mean, Dr. Seuss. Yeah, Dr. Mario. That's, that's Dr. Do you know it's actually pronounced Dr. Seuss? I didn't want to know that. No, but that makes sense. Is this how German? it's supposed to be yeah, it's that's how it's supposed to be pronounced. No one does, but it's technically. I mean, if you're really getting technical with it, it's Theodore Geisel. But like, it's it's Doctor Soyce if you're going to uh, pronounce oh, it the way it's oh, supposed yeah, to be pronounced. Right. Right. Rhyme with rejoice, right? What's your doctor? This is actually doctor? this is a shout out to uh, from the show Evan McDonald, uh, Doctor Zace. Oh, Doctor Zayas, Doctor Zayas. Yeah, yeah that, uh, like one of the know, greatest. He's doing that episode. series on uh, on on the the Ape Planet movie. I forget what it's called. A uh, Jurassic Park. Uh, Doctor yeah. Who. Doctor Who. There's one. Doctor Who. There we yeah. go. <laughs> uh, we love Doctor Who. Um, Doctor Moreau. The Island yeah, of yeah, Doctor yeah. Deborah So. Doctor yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Doctor Death, as they called him. No, wasn't that? Uh, did they call him Doctor? Oh, Death? I just watched. Uh, yeah, Jack Kevorkian was known as Doctor Death. I did watch an episode of Doctor House MD before I. What are we doing? Uh, before I came onto this podcast like i literally turned off an episode of dr house to be here um <laughs> which i'm not complaining about but i'm just saying he's another famous fictional doctor there's also the doctor from okay the can Lyman. we please fucking read this thing <laughs> the Lyman the coconut song doctor <laughs> like, can we is that a thing we can do doctor doctor give me the news yeah okay. um. <laughs> I, I may just chime in throughout with other doctors <laughs> come to mind <laughs> Doctor oh. Nick from The Simpsons. Doctor Nick, yes. No, Doctor Doctor Nick is a great one. Doctor Farnsworth. Yeah. Also from yeah. A, uh... Matt Groening likes his doctors. Yeah, he does. Doctor Hibbert. Yeah, we do love Doctor Hibbert. <laughs> Marino looks like he's going to kill himself. <laughs> no, I'm enjoying this. Uh, Doctor Banner from The Incredible Hulk. Oh. All right. Yeah. Well. Anyways, we can. <laughs> If I think of another doctor, I'll interrupt you, Abdul. And... Oh, that's fine. Yeah, that's that's good. Um, I'm happy none of us are Grey's Anatomy fans. Otherwise, we'd be here Is forever. Is there a doctor, uh, doctor Strange? Doctor Strange? Yes. I was thinking oh Doctor Marvel, and I was like, wait a minute. Oh, I guess Dana Scully from the X-Files is a doctor. It's doctor Scully, that's right. 
Yes, Doctor Dana Scully. Okay. Doctor McCoy, uh, Doctor Crusher, Doctor Pulaski, the Doctor. Yeah, uh, all of them. <laughs> Eric has left. Not by the, the Doctor way. by Alanis Morissette. Let's uh, let's let's get into this. Say what you want about social justice advocates; they've been clever to seize upon education as a way to bring their vision of utopia to the fore. That's a wordy start to sentence. Um, <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> yeah, that's. She gonna explain they, that? Let's break it out. They've been clever to seize upon education as a way to bring their vision of utopia to the so, fore. Okay, it actually it's pretty promising start. Actually, you know, utopia, social justice. Yes. Using academia to fulfill an idea and, you know, indoctrinate the masses. People being clever. No, it's not indoctrination. It's education. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> anyone who remains skeptical can look at a current job posting at Dalhousie University. It seeks an assistant professor in agronomy. <laughs> and, <laughs> um, and explicitly excludes non-minority white men from applying. Well, there's there's the rub, isn't it, folks? Yeah. The posting cites employment equity as its reason for being restricted to candidates who self-identify as a woman, a visible racial minority, someone with a minority sexual orientation or gender identity, or a disability. <laughs> I love how Dr. Debrisso <laughs> is finally sticking up for white people. Because we needed we needed a yeah. boost, actually. <clears throat> I mean the the Uncle Tomification of like uh, minority cultures is a real thing. Um, and it takes many shapes and forms, but this is it at its most, like, and I can say this because I'm not white. Like at its most disgusting and basic, mm -hmm. right? Like this is absolutely some like a Fu Manchu bullshit. Mm -hmm. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, this criterion mirrors a wider trend across academic institutions today, eager to incorporate the diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI. Oh, day. Like Opus Day. <laughs> Mission. For example, it has become commonplace for academics applying to faculty positions to, uh, to include a statement detailing how they will achieve Opus Day in their teaching and research. This simultaneously serves as an effective way to fil filter out applicants who disagree with their mandate. So, like, really, she's just like explaining. A process that isn't true um, to start uh, and creating like I get that DEI mandates um, or Opus Day mandates like do exist like I understand that that's a thing but like uh, ask any minority in academia how they've been treated and how many jobs they applied for uh, and they'll they'll give you a, a story that's uh, you know almost always true <laughs> Um, individuals will be encouraged to fill out a checklist. I kid you not, because, you know, only only these jobs uh, require checklists to fill out, you know. Um, it's not like you have to fill out one every time you apply for a job that says, like, you know, I am not a criminal, uh, this is my background, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, <clears throat> of all the different minority groups to which they belong, even though this information has zero relevance to their capabilities in as an academic um, also not true. <laughs> I, I don't know. That that feels like a little <laughs> I just love the idea of, of like, the way Deborah So thinks that, like, people are getting hired. Now it's like, okay, what color are you? <laughs> and, and, like, that's the only question that's asked. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, all, all these, all these dweebs, you know, talk like that. And it's because it tells, like, a simple narrative that dumb people will people believe. Are like, oh, yeah. Yeah, I am angry about that. I've I've noticed this talking point come up 
a lot recently, and it, it, it's funny because like they're just learning about this now. This has been a, a, a feature on job applications for a long time. It really sort of they're telling on themselves at how fucking pampered they are. Imagine doing this checklist at Boston College. Like a Mark Wahlberg guy is like looking at you, being like, "We need a fucking packy <laughs> <laughs> in your fucking interview or whatever." You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> It would be that would be awesome. Actually, I would love didn't, for Mark didn't Wahlberg, Mark to Wahlberg hire me. commit a hate crime or something. He yeah, sure he did. did. He, he blinded he blinded a Vietnamese uh, shop owner and then said he didn't need to apologize because he made peace with himself. <laughs> um, was this when he was Marky Mark? <laughs> this was like this was even before the Marky Mark time. Like, like he should apologize. Yeah. <laughs> he should one hundred percent apologize. But this was before he was Marky Mark. This is like when he was like. <laughs> pre-fame south boston uh like where just hate crimes are an inevitability because the good people of boston are where all crimes are hate crimes yeah all crimes are hate crimes where everybody knows your name and all crimes are hate crimes yeah that's actually deborah so's ideal world yeah. boston <laughs> <laughs> Though possibly, possibly well-intentioned, the way to account for discrimination in the past is not to actively enforce discrimination now. Doing so will provoke a backlash against women and minority groups, and a hiring process that downplays merit will raise the unfortunate question in colleagues and students' minds of whether a new hire deserves to be there. Okay, so I just want to say something right here. Like, I love like how all these articles, and the other one does it too, like tell on themselves, mm-hmm. where they're like, we know white people are going to be really mad at this. We know that they're going to be really upset and get angry and probably hate minorities more than they already do, right? Like, it's like you, you're you acknowledging the problem in your, like, reason for not doing this. <laughs> um, and also, like, the idea that, like, merit is such an interest, is doing so much work yeah. here. You know what I mean? Because merit is, like, such a contextual observation. Yeah, like, is she, is she like, suggesting yeah. people of color don't have merit? Right. I mean, that 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 that's what it always comes down to. They're like, oh, no, who needs diversity when you have merit? And it's like they're not mutually exclusive. And what (laughs) does it say that you think they are? I'm sure I'm misinterpreting. I'm taking them out of context. And, um, you know, I'm I'm doing so maliciously to defame them. But I don't know. It's just how I how I feel. This argument's really old, this idea that like you know, uh, by implementing these sort of rules, we're we're potentially blocking off a portion of the talent pool and we might be missing this magical unicorn and obviously white candidate or something like that. It's just like, this isn't Dragon Ball Z. People don't, it's not like scales, power levels where everyone, there's like, (laughs) I'm more powerful than academic. Like, just like, it's meant to correct imbalances in the workforce that's dragon ball z imitates life (laughs) also if you were if you were at that level of like rare goku merit that this person is describing and with no (laughs) racial implications because her name is deborah so um (laughs) but like yeah i mean like if you were at that like rare level of dbz talent or whatever you would not go into academia. <laughs> no, yeah, I mean, so you'd actually be working in your fucking field as like an engineer yeah. or writing like, you know, best-selling books on history like Jared fucking Diamond. Now, there's someone who has, you know, plenty of merit yeah, in, or, or 
something like that. Like, do you think Richard Dawkins really wants to teach, or do you think he just wants a free lab <laughs> and a tenure-track position so he can write books that make him buckets of money, right? Like, I think you, you make a really, really good point about this column telling on itself. Like, the laziness of the argument that measures that would increase diversity would actually encourage more racism to happen. Like, things that would actually affect structural imbalances that have existed since the inception of these universities like the establishments of these institutions <laughs> the thing that's really gonna harm people is fixing them <laughs> i i had mostly white professors made granted it was film school um but like yeah i mean like the the implication that that your white professors have more merit or were hired on a more like meritable basis uh, so to speak um is also insane because <laughs> i don't know i don't know about you yeah like everyone has shitty yeah. professors in general right not even to like even give her point like an iota of credibility but it's like is she suggesting that if we remove diversity criteria from universities they would all get better <laughs> you know what i mean like is that really the what you're trying to get across because that is not the case <laughs> at but she, all. she's not she's not like an academic right like she isn't like i mean maybe academic's not the right word but she's not she's not a professor no she's so successful in her academic career that the only thing open to her after going through school for her entire life was to become a right-wing grifter um right it's the peterson formula yeah um let me go back to this stupid fucking article um at best, these policies evoke pity. Uh, no, they don't. At worst, they fuel resentment. Yeah, because white people, white supremacy is a, is a real thing that causes yeah. harm. Uh, research has shown that pro-diversity messages can lead dominant groups. So, like, again, like, I just want to point out the, like, inherent, like, again, I don't want to sound like an insane Maoist, but, like, you got to get rid of the colonizer in your mind, man. You know what I mean? Like, just the fact that she refers to white people not as a majority group right but the dominant group is like it's such a specific choice of verbiage because it's like yeah you know these people they they dominate and i'm very happy about that right i want to be dominated and it's like that's she's like that's really well she's articulating white supremacy like she's doing all the work she's just coming to such a such a demented conclusion yeah no this piece is very uh 14 wordsy i would say and it's also, like, definitely that thing of, like, the thing that disturbs me most about Deborah O. Uh, so, thank you, Sandra, at the same time, who is, who is a queen who I stand, by the way. Uh, the thing that, that disturbs me the most about Deborah So is how much she plays into this, like, white narrative of, like, compliant uh compliant Asian women who exist to be, like, bred and dominated that, like, so many, like, insane like sex tourists and like largely white men hold right and stuff like that like she she in fact welcomes in this sort of interpretation of like asian women uh, and it reads in this article quite succinctly right it's really fucked up like you know again colonizer in your mind man at best uh yeah it is also profoundly patronizing to assume that anyone who is not a white man uh requires help to qualify for a job well i mean there have been studies done around people with like uh, AAVE names uh, and what happens to their resumes when you 
apply to a job um an environment as grueling academia is not grueling <laughs> uh, which typically consists of 80 hour work weeks and sacrificing major life milestones in the name of productivity treating professional accomplishments as secondary to the number of identity labels one possesses is unjust um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a label. It's who you are. <laughs> no, I mean, but that's all resumes are these days, right? It's just like, I'm a genderqueer, trans, black person. And, you know, who can compete when you're just like a white Jewish guy? Oh, boy. <laughs> because the... <laughs> Uh, I do think that this is also very telling that Deborah So has not spent a lot of time outside of academia because she thinks like, one it's hard like she she's convinced that this is like the hardest thing that you could possibly do and she's very clearly never driven a forklift which is actually hard she is not for <laughs> she is not forklift yes. certified she does not have her lift ticket <laughs> <laughs> um that's so funny i would love uh, deborah please dm me i will forklift certify you <laughs> um as someone who who was once forklift certified it's not easy and you know what? You fuck up. You, you're running over a coworker, or you're smashing a skid into a wall, and then someone's mad and yells at you. So, yeah, <laughs> um, that's so fucking funny. There won't, unfortunately, be an end to this anytime soon. In the United States, critical race theory, the unfettered cultist thinking that attributes all discrepancies in society to racism and power imbalances. Uh, I don't know what other discrepancies. I guess like you can go hyper-individualist with it, but you know, whatever. Is being incorporated into school children's education, securing yet another generation to further activists' goals. Gender ideology, which believes anything less than gender parity, particularly in male-dominated STEM disciplines, is an indicate indication of ramp rampant misogyny has similarly become ubiquitous in western curriculum yeah I, yes uh, uh very good actually that's cool um, it's, it's cool when the truth I'm happens not... you know like people start accepting the truth yeah i do find this like leftist analysis of like um more women in stem is bad is kind of yeah. horrific because of like the fact that we don't even realize how much of our society is like algorithm driven at this point. And like, unless you have people to pull that out, capitalism will only get even worse than it already is. It's already pretty bad. Um, but again, Deborah, so likes that, right? Um, Instead of seeking evidence-based explanations for group differences, activists have dedicated themselves to shutting the whole thing down. Movements like last summer's shutdown stem accuse scientists of not doing enough to eradicate anti-black racism. Um, I mean, talk to a scientist you know and see what they well, think. Well, and black and people, I yeah. mean, read like a history book about like the Tuskegee exper experiment and like all the um, horrific experiments that are done on indigenous people in Canada. I mean, my man, like the United States did chemical warfare uh, in Manitoba. You know what I mean? Like they literally tested chemical weapons on indigenous people on the Manitoba border. And the Canadian government has never once asked for like an apology um, or anything like that, even though they fucking knew about it. Like, that's one of the things, by the way, that fucks me up is like they literally did chemical warfare to people in this country and is like rarely if ever acknowledged um in the name of science right uh 
demanded that scientists stay out of the laboratories and classrooms and scientific journals cease production for a day of racial reckoning. Maybe they did that because those journals publish your dumb shit. Uh, it remains unclear, however, how halting scientific progress helps end racism in any capacity. This is this is what I love. I love this. This is like a classic like Ben Shapiroism, right? Where where you set the parameters of your argument and then you argue based on the parameters <laughs> that you set. Like yes. you you are completely unable to to like change the parameters of debate or you're only able to debate like parameters that you yourself set right like the goal of debate is that there's an open set of parameters you both sort of understand you're working within but like the ben shapiro thing it's it's, like it's typical straw man argument right it's like here's what i think here's what this idiot who disagrees with me thinks like who's who's Um, right i don't watch a lot of fantano but i remember like the only fantano video i remember vividly is where he takes like a clip of ben shapiro being like here's why rap is not music right and it's like music has rhythm uh, instrumentation treble but rap is just rhythm it is not music right It, it does not have these other qualifying elements and then fantano just like played a clip of a violin (laughs) just a solo violin is like by that same definition like violin is also not music right um which is like exactly what she's doing right like he's he decides what music is and then he decides what like he can argue based on his own definition what things are right like um it's constantly Um, shifting based on his feelings not facts the facts don't care, actually. <laughs> um, it remains unclear, however, how halting scientific progress helps stand... Re- oh, have I already said that? Yes, I have. No, no, no. That's because activism cares less about rectifying injustice and more about destroying anything that stands its way. Uh, <laughs> activism is Shin Godzilla. <laughs> uh, I have had white... I've had white male colleagues tell me that when applying for jobs, they've seriously considered identifying as something other than what they are, so that their application won't be dismissed at first glance. Oh man, now you know what it's like to, to be a black person applying for a job at McDonald's. You fucking asshole. That story is also yeah. not true. Um, this highlights the absurdity of the Opus Dei paradigm, in which so-called oppressors must select a marginalized status in order to avoid being penalized. Um, is this the world in which we want to live? I implore those who remain silent because the open day <laughs> mentality benefits them to consider how they would feel if it was the other way around. No, they they have known how it's the other way oh around my their God. entire life. You rich fuck. <laughs> uh, and they were being denied opportunities due to traits not of their choosing. What traits? Deb, tell us. <laughs> Um, the trait of being a, a cis white she, man, it, right? Is she uh, literally doing reverse racism right now? Like this is yes, that's that's the data. But she, but she assumes that that racialized people have never been denied opportunities on the basis of race. That's the most <laughs> fucked up part, right? <laughs> and maybe it's like I don't know what Deborah So's background is. You know, what I mean, I've looked for it. Uh, hasn't given me much, to be honest. Uh, like apparently she came fully formed into existence in a PhD program, and there's literally nothing right out of her lab. Well, it's it's crazy that <sighs> yeah. she would think that's an injustice, but actual like racial discrimination in this country isn't an injustice. 
100%. The Towers of Learning should be focused on recruiting the brightest and most innovative minds to propel society forward instead of prostrating themselves for the sake of optics and taking pride and pandering to the identity politics game. I mean, like, Deborah so is prostrating herself to white society so that they might, you know, take some sort of interest in her and stuff like that. Like, she is 100% the kind of person who thinks a race war is coming and wants to be on the winning side. You know what I mean? Like, that's... That's sort of her, like, black pill is just being like, I would rather be captive to the whites <laughs> than, like, think about anything sort of liberatory for myself. <laughs> um, it's it's psychotic. It's, like, it really is. Like, It's depressing, too, because this, is, this isn't the National Post. This is the Globe and Mail. This is, I mean, I think the Globe and Mail makes a ton of mistakes. But in terms of national newspapers, this is basically all we got. And Deborah So is writing this shit. And people hey, are hey, it. we have the Epoch Times. <laughs> the new best paper in Canada. This is pretty Yeah, bad. I fucking love the Epoch Times. <laughs> I just like that Barbara Kay finally has a home for all her hard-hitting scoops. Yeah, her dangerous idea is that <laughs> the, the liberals and the mainstream media won't touch. Yeah, yeah, but this column sucks ass. And Deborah So is like the least interesting <clears throat> member of a terribly uninteresting group of academics and dark web intellectuals um yeah because like... i'm looking at the uh comments right now by the way and this is my favorite one sorry to cut you off jeremy we are well on the way to creating a new quote nomenclatura nomen k-l-a-t-u-r-a unquote where the good jobs and positions are reserved to designated groups meeting CRT criteria. I just hope that when I need brain or open heart surgery, the surgeon who will be appointed was appointed on the basis of her skills rather than CRT. It's so pathetic. And, and honestly, like this definitely dog whistles, like boomers obsession with individualism and like merits and like these dumb ideas that they've sold to themselves over their their 800 years of existence um they outmoded and scientifically disproven ideas of mastery there's there's nothing of value in this column like at all i mean i think the thing that people get the most weird about is when you remind them that like surgery or any skill like that is literally no different than a trade Mm -hmm. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's literally just a skill trade, uh, but the dangerous people's lives, which, by the way, is also most skill trades. Yeah. Um, but it's just like, yeah, it is really just learning how to do something over and over again with your hands until like, and it's the same thing with most professions like that, right? So it's like, it really doesn't, literally any human being can learn to, I don't want to diminish how much skill it takes to be a surgeon, but like, learn to cut someone open repair the insides and then sew them together again right like it it's a process it's a function of like learning over time and if you're bad at that job believe me you will not be in that job for very <laughs> no you'll long. be sued for malpractice you moron yeah exactly right like you'll actually be sent to jail for killing a person if you yeah. kill someone yeah for manslaughter you will be disbarred sued your life will be ruined like you think that <laughs> in, in this shallow like line of thinking is based on the presumption that everyone just started like at like it's like a race right and everyone started at the same point and 
fastest people win. But, um, you know, if, if, uh, Dr. So had, uh, the good doctor had <laughs> read a book, uh, she would know that that is not the case. Yeah. Uh, she, yeah, she's <laughs> Dr. Deborah. So bad. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's also, yeah, there like nobody is not hiring a white person who is more qualified than uh people of color all right like like calm down <laughs> like it's just all things being equal if you look at how people of color were kept out of institutions of power here factor that into consideration mm -hmm. it's not just that right it's this assumption that like by Again, like it's this complete disacknowledgement that, or you know, refusal to acknowledge that even just a scarcity of mentality with opportunities in academia or in anything else uh, must exist to begin yeah. with, right? Like that was her first mistake is like not looking at it as like a systemic analysis of like universities have all the money, rich people have all the money, literally everyone can get a job doing what they want to do, mm -hmm. right? Including me, who can get paid to write stupid transphobic books about dumb shit that no one will read even though i was on joe rogan <laughs> twice right like that blows um, my mind that she has 50 patrons it's so pathetic but that's how unconvincing she is though like none of her ideas hold any water she just exists and that's the thing right like jordan peterson has a great pipeline he has a fantastic <laughs> pipeline where he's like because like Jordan Peterson's like 12 rules on their face aren't actually bad. They're just boring mm -hmm. life advice, right? They're like, clean your room, organize, go for walks. Uh, don't kill Marxists. push kids off. <laughs> yeah. Kill, don't push kids <laughs> off skateboards. Right. But it's like, but then his, his analysis is, oh, you've done these things. You've cleaned your room. Doesn't that feel good? You know why you weren't cleaning your room before? Because the Marxists didn't want you to, right? But you're already yeah, yeah. It's, but it's like Farrakhan too, right? Like that. Yeah. Oh, you need to take responsibility. <laughs> like it's the same message of personal responsibility, but then it's like the reason you're not doing that is the Jews. <laughs> Whereas with Peterson, it's the uh, postmodern neo-Marxist, which is of course a play on cultural Marxism, which is of course a play on Judeo-Bolshevism, which is of course a play on the Jews. All roads lead back to Jerusalem. <laughs> <laughs> like that is, um, you know. I will I will see you all in Gethsemane. But like, you know what I mean? Like the uh nothing about her makes any sense. Nothing about her is valid and she doesn't even have a good hook to get people into it, right? Like all these other people. Sam Harris is free thinking bullshit is quite captivating even though he's wrong and disgusting and vile. Jordan Peterson is the master but of Sam it. Sam right? Harris like, was captivating in like 2005. I mean, like, he was captivating in 2005 because you were like, you know, a young person who was learning outside your religious circle. Like, I'm sure that a million people like us probably are having the same relation of that who are that age, right? Or having the same relationship with Peterson and Harris right now. There is though, like right? a funnel for like disaffected, like adolescents that like need someone to tell them how it is. And it's it's these people on, on the tail end of it. Guys like Peterson who make a lot of money telling telling people how to live their lives 
Um, is uh, is Sam Harris a doctor? No. Well, it's complicated. Uh, apparently, he has a PhD in in neuroscience. Actually, um, it's honestly neuroscience. Has, has he had? Well, of course, because that's how, right? Like evolutionary yeah yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it's you can't learn anything you can't grow ever society can't shape you in any way yeah um, it's all predetermined yeah. and... oh fuck we missed dr norman Bethune, uh, guys. Oh, shit. the good doctor the king the the yeah. doctor the, the dr cornell yeah. west oh another good doctor dr. yeah cornell wow west. yeah <laughs> uh, you know who isn't a doctor Laurie McFarland, former uh, liberal cabinet minister in British Columbia, unlike, unlike you know, Dr. Cornell West, you know, I mean, unlike uh, Dougie Hauser, MD, um, unlike Dr. Unlike, um, yeah, the, uh, the shout out Gordon to Huxtable. friend of yeah. the show, uh, Bashar al-Assad, is, in, is an <laughs> optometrist. Um. You know, Doc, Dr. John Dorian, the entire cast of Scrubs, wow. folks. <laughs> Dr. Um, Joe Rogan. Unbelievable uh, segue, by the way, Abdul. Dr. Michaela Peterson. <laughs> I like how he segued. That's good. That's good. So, uh, so yeah. So, Laurie, is that how? Or let's say Laurie. It's, it's for sure Laurie. But wouldn't you rather uh, say Lowry? No. <laughs> Lowry. No, no. That reminds me too much of Kyle Lowry, and we will not besmirch. Yeah, he's a good man. Uh, God. Um, um, oh, Dr. Alexander Fleming. Yeah, I mean, who is the guy who invented, uh, who invented insulin? Yes. Uh, oh, I got a good um, one. I got a good one. Dr. Uh, Jekyll. Dr. Oh, Dr. Jekyll and Dr. Frederick G. Banting. Um, Insulin man, another king. Oh, Dr. Einstein. <laughs> uh, okay, so in the Times columnist, a uh, newspaper owned by Glacier Media, which also owns uh, Jeffrey Jeremy's former employer, um, the Medicine Hat News, Lori McFarlane. <laughs> He's Italian. Um, McF- yeah. Hey, hey, I'm doing equity over here. Um, <laughs> Uh, Dr. Lori uh, McFarlane wrote an article that said promoting equity means championing discrimination. <laughs> and can we talk about the Times columnist uh, for a bit? Because we usually don't get. It's called the Times columnist. columnist. Sorry, I keep I keep fucking it up because it's a terrible Which is name. Uh, on its own, <laughs> fucked up. Yeah, way. yeah. Actually, it's a Glacier Media product that does about. On their Wikipedia, it says they do sub thirty five thousand papers a weekend. How how big is the city of Victoria? Uh, it's Victoria's... not it's not very big. I mean, that's what she said, Jeremy. But uh, and you know what? She would be right. It only has a population of eighty five thousand seven hundred ninety two people, uh, which actually puts it uh, what on par with like Red Deer. No, it's smaller. No, than Red Deer's Red Deer. got less. It's uh no yeah, it's no smarter than Lethbridge way. too. It's it's bigger than Medicine Hat though. You, I'll give them that. It's like it's like yeah, the it's... size of like Fort Mac, like Wood Buffalo. Uh, Lethbridge has ninety two thousand people. You are correct. Um, yeah, I know. I come from Ontario, which is just patently a better place <laughs> than uh, than Alberta. So like my metric for large is is quite large. You know what I mean? Because like when I think small town, I think like Guelph. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 
while Alberta is like the lowest stakes, absolute bullshit armpit of this like literal, you know, godforsaken colonizer country. Um, it's like the shit. I lived. Shit. I lived in a town uh, of six thousand people in Ontario, so I can't. I can't. T- which one was Perry that? Perry Sound, Sound, Ontario. Ugh. Yep. We love. We love the purper, folks. Um. um <laughs> Glad you called yeah. it by its name that everybody uses. <laughs> um. Uh, don't you mean Doctor Perry? <laughs> yeah, Doctor Perry Sound. There we go. I forgot about the good doctor. That's a great name. For, that's a great doctor name, by the way. Uh, Dr. Perry Sound MD. Like, I would let him operate on me. Uh, Dr. Dog. Dr. Dog. Yes. yes. Uh, wait. Fictional animal doctor. No, no, no. There's that. You can't look it up on the internet. That is cheating. You will what? lose points on trivia night. Is it? Okay, I'm going to close this then. Um. <laughs> But I I did manage to see one that we missed. It's a big one, Doctor Dylan. Oh folks. my God, friend of the show, um, friend of the show, yeah. Doctor Doolittle. <clears throat> In her budget speech two weeks ago, Finance Minister Selena Robinson, not a doctor, <laughs> noted that her government had adopted ND. five, <laughs> yeah, ND, um, NAD, uh. Her government had adopted five foundational principles to guide all aspects of policymaking. They are in order. Putting people first. Lasting and meaningful Aboriginal reconciliation. Equity. A better future through fighting climate change and a strong, sustainable economy that works for everyone. Article continues below. (laughs) Trending stories. Ask Ellie. After 15-year affair, lover is unlikely to leave wife now. The best night ever. Shelter. We should start reading the ads because that's really what... Qualicum Beach oh, swamped by search for this freedom next of information one. requests. This next one rules. Amazing. <laughs> Spotted off Ogden Point could be part of mortality event researcher. <laughs> wow. <laughs> mortality mortality event is like some sort of Final Fantasy special. I feel like that's like a, a thing that the SIU says after like the cops shoot a baby. Like the baby like, <laughs> experienced a mortality event. <laughs> yeah, we we regret to inform you that your dog was an officer mortality involved event. mortality event. It's just so bad. <laughs> oh um, I I'll let you tweet that article with that joke because if you don't do it by tomorrow morning, I'm fucking doing it. I bookmark this. Um, uh, some of this is uncontroversial, if not banal. If you're not putting people first, who or what are you putting first? <laughs> aliens? Like I love that the the the, the conversations aliens or corp or uh, aliens are people, not like corporations, businesses, institutions that have the literal same rights. I, I'm actually thinking of uh, running a campaign for Calgary uh, Board of Education. On an aliens first platform, I did. <laughs> yeah. and when people ask, like, no, <laughs> illegal aliens are like, no, I'm not talking about those fucking packies. <laughs> I'm talking about the UFOs. I'm talking about the little gray men. Yeah, there yeah are the Tom DeLonge in... aliens. Yeah, there is an uptake in uh, alien sightings in Alberta. Eh? That was a news piece like a couple of days ago. Uh, mostly because the people in this province are extremely stupid and gullible, <laughs> like little babies. Yeah. Um, 
Some of it is revealing. Building the economy is this government's last priority, not oh, no. its first. But one aspect is disturbing. <laughs> Note the third principle. <laughs> so this column, it, it should go without saying, is pretty much the exact same as the one we read before, but focused on British Columbia. And, and I more really hope, off. I really hope he's not making us defend the BC NDP, right? Well... <laughs> Uh, I mean, nothing could make us defend the BC NDP. It's more just like the BC NDP is never going to achieve this framework, period, right? Right. It's like adopting UNDRIP. It's just just a token gesture. A tacit acknowledgement, we know just implicitly that none of these things will be achieved and they're just paying lip service. And now we're seeing how much this, like, even just this lip service disturbs ugly, racist uh, pieces of shit. Um. I'll do the next part in an ASMR voice. <laughs> now, why should that concern us? Isn't equality one of the basic rights built into our Constitution? Yes. But the government isn't promising equality. It is promising equity. Entirely different notions. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how to do ASMR voices. Uh, equality is about the rights of individuals. Equity is about the rights of groups. So corporations yeah. have equity. Um, I just <laughs> they want to do, point that yeah. out. <laughs> like, yeah. um, whether they be gender based, ethnicity based, age based, or whatever, um, like <laughs> or you whatever. know, based in your legal in your legal standing <laughs> as an entity that can accumulate immense amounts of capital and be respected as an individual on the basis of your capital I, holdings. I just um, love how important he thinks equality is, but the idea that a group of people. Possibly a group of people that were uh, discriminated against for the entire history of this country existing. Um, that that's not a thing that he cares about. This this reminds me because obviously all this shit was like really popularized by Jordan Peterson, even though a lot of these people have been doing it before him. Yeah. Uh, it reminds me of that video uh, where he's crying about <laughs> the death of individualism and how. Only individuals suffer, groups never suffer. Yeah, yeah, it's so pathetic. It's like, okay, but what if you take all these individuals who are suffering and (laughs) classify them as a group? Do you think if you brought up, like, reparations for black people, Laurie would... What's Laurie's... Yeah, McFarlane would bring up the Irish or the Scots? Almost for sure. Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%, yeah. And then you would say... Then you would say groups don't suffer according to your paradigm, Laurie, and then they'd change their goalposts. But like again. there's there's like a serious um, issue in this country about the fetishization of individualism. The individual is supreme. I mean, to live in a society, you sort of do need to like have you do need to like fetishize individualism to a degree because that is the machine that churns our fucking lives, but like you know, just by participating in it, you can have, like, you can acknowledge this is bad. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Like, the thing about Lori is that he's already won. You know what I mean? Like, why are you mad? You're mad because other people might, like, like Lori's biggest fear is actually black capitalism more than yeah. anything else. Yeah. You know what I mean? When you get down to it. Uh, okay. Yalla. Yalla, Habibi. Back to the article. Um, here's an example to promote equality outlaw discrimination to promote equity you champion discrimination here's an example in her budget robinson wanted to foster entrepreneurialism she set aside 300 million for this purpose but it turns out not everyone qualifies equally 
For Robinson specifically earmarked the money for female and minority entrepreneurs. <laughs> this is equity at work. The first recipient of Robinson's $300 million entrepreneur fund isn't even a, <clears throat> a resident of British Columbia or Canada. It's Elizabeth Holmes <laughs> in California. Um, why should this bother us? Shouldn't we want to see female and minority entrepreneurs succeed? Yes, of course, but it matters how you go about it. <laughs> he didn't need to oh add that second God. sentence. It could have just been like, yes, of course, and then like the column could have ended. <laughs> um, A lot of these columns should just be letters to the editor from some like cranky octogenarian. I mean, the the thing about this one is, again, like you... These people have no sense of like, of like context, have no contextual understanding mm -hmm. of the world. Like, they're only able to see as far as their own dick. Like, it's like, oh, you know, like generational wealth um, and accessibility. And like, do you think if you asked Lori McFarlane what um, <laughs> redlining was, do you think they'd know what that is? Yeah, of course they would. They would also give you some sort of like technocratic explanation as to yeah, why it was why good, it was necessary. Right? Um, yeah, or you don't even have to go as far as, like, redlining. Like, um, BC has its own share of, like, difficult history with, like, its Chinese population, right? Like, based around where businesses could and couldn't be and shit like that. Like, yeah, like, you know, the, it will always be a, a reason that's not related to, I don't know, maybe it's because they were Chinese, right? Um, of course, I would deny a loan to uh, Deborah So, but not on the basis of her race. <laughs> um uh, by all means, level the playing field by removing unfair obstacles that affect some groups more than others. If women or minority entrepreneurs can't get bank loans on the same terms as men, for instance, put a stop to that. If landlords won't rent store space to that, put a stop to landlords. Hell yeah, Lori! <laughs> Damn. <laughs> this is going straight I really like to. Uh, I, I really <laughs> like what she's building up to. Uh, white, white supremacist Maoist is is going to be fucking awesome in a couple of years when the when the Nazi Zoomers discover the Little Red Book and take all the right and wrong lessons from it. It's going to be. So I mean, fucking if you think about lit. it, Wexit is white supremacist Maoism. No, but they're pro landlord, right? Like one of the core tenets of Maoism is the um disenfranchisement uh with extreme prejudice of landlords <laughs> right yeah, yeah. <laughs> in other words tackle discrimination at its roots and remove those obstacles preferably through retracted <laughs> people's war but that's Stop. not what robinson is doing she's using the power of the purse to selectively advance the interests of one group over others how much how much money do you think this person took from car dealers <laughs> When they were in office. Well, I think they were they were a deputy minister, so they were. Oh, a were bureaucrat. they a deputy? Okay. But that okay, being so said, a... um, I don't know, ten ten grand. I'll believe it. Yeah. That's not what Robinson is doing. She's using the power of the one of the dangers in this um, lifestyleist thinking is that it tribalizes society. We are not to see each other as individuals and entitled to equal treatment. Rather, we are to see ourselves as members of a demographic or racial group with historical grievances to settle or unearned benefits to surrender. Yes, yes, that's true. Both of those things are true. That is awesome. You, you, all three of you should pay me for the emotional labor of reading this. Um, even you, Jeremy. Especially Jeremy. It's so lazy the way that they see the world is 
Oh, I was going to say there, you can jump back in. Oh, no, doubtless. Like, it is, it is completely narrow. In this view of things, past grievances are never fully righted. This is also <laughs> true. Um, Permanent revolution. Of... <clears throat> yes, not just in one country. Um, the beneficiaries of past injustice, such as colonialism, can never fully atone. Also true. Um, I, I do like how like Tanahisi Coates and Lori both have the same outcome here, though, right? Like they're both, they're both ultimately nihilistic people who are like coming to the same conclusion that there can never be an end to this, and that's because they both lack any sense of like class solidarity. <laughs> yeah, you know? but I would say a fundamental distinction is that Tanahisi Coates is able to write oh. well <laughs> because he's probably read a few books. Um, not convinced this uh, this uh, Laurie McNamara fellow <laughs> has has any writing credentials to speak. Yeah, of? no, he just churns out ideology for fucking shit rag owned by a literal criminal. You love yeah. to see it. Um, yeah, Tony E.C. Coates can write. He's a very compelling writer. I think he's an asshole, but... Well, yeah, yeah no, he's right. a great writer, but then when, when when you think, when you stop to think about what he's saying, it's like, oh, he's not saying anything. Well, he's he's saying that, that there will never actually be some sort of parity achieved between white society and colonized people, right? Like, that is really the core of Tony E.C. Coates' worldview, which is, like, so deeply nihilistic and blocked up. Yeah, he is. He's he's like blackpilled in the way only like woke liberals could be blackpilled. You know what I mean? Um uh in the you see this in the emergence of terms like microaggression, microinequities, microloans, and unconscious bias to keep ever diminishing grievances <laughs> <Micro> alive. <laughs> the embrace <laughs> Sorry. Good addition. Like, giving Giving a hundred bucks to a farmer in India is <laughs> doing violence against my individuality. Oh, no, microloans are bad. Uh, the embracing of equity theory is no accident. Rather, it is the foundation of... Oh, what's it going to be? Uh, identity <laughs> politics, baby! Um, Surprised it took election. him this long. Yeah. Yeah. You win elections not by appealing to the needs of voters, but by sorting them into persecuted groups and then telling them you will spurn their persecutors. That is politics. <laughs> That's literally the foundation of politics. That's literally what politics is. Is like, you know, okay, all the rich people live here. <laughs> yeah, don't even need to explain it. That's so fucking I just love the idea of campaigning for like one person. Like that's the strategy he goes for. <laughs> one one time, okay, I I know we're going long, but yeah, I gotta yeah. tell you this story. Um, one time I was running a fucking losing campaign, Mississauga, Ontario, yeah. for the NDP. I was doing some regional organizing and running campaign Wait, for a them. Losing <laughs> NDP campaign. Okay, I mean it's it's implicit, but I need to say this because it 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 builds up the rest of the story. Um, and like the whole time I knew we were gonna lose, right? But then every every day this old man would call me. <laughs> Like, the seven-year-old man would call me because he had nothing else to do, and I just did not give a fuck, right? Because I was just getting paid to sit there while my candidate decided to, like, do whatever the fuck he wanted. Um, I would just, like, I would have these, like, wonderful conversations with this, like, 
old man it like really kept me sane for for months and months and like of this campaign and like he he eventually had my candidates vote and then one day he called me like three days before the election when i should have been doing literally anything else and he was like so upset and i'm like i don't remember his fucking name man i talked to this guy every day for like three and a half months it's like he he called me and he was like I found out that the candidate does not live in the riding. It's true. The candidate lived in Oakville. He was running in Streetsville. I cannot vote for him. And he was so upset. And I just, like, it made me lose my fucking mind. <laughs> like, I spent an hour on the phone with him trying to convince him to vote for us. I gave the phone to the candidate so he could speak to him directly. And, like, the candidate was a fucking piece of shit. Ali Nackby, fuck you. I hate you. Um, but, like, your dad's cool, though. Um, but, like, I, and even, even the candidate, who was a simpering, stupid fucking moron, like, looked at me like, why is this guy so important? And I was, like, literally, like, holding back tears, being like, you just got to convince It was like, if I couldn't do anything, I was going to make this one fucking guy vote for the shitty campaign for it to be worth it. Um, and that is really what politics would be under the paradigm of appealing to the needs of individual voters. Uh, uh, hopes and dreams, baby. He did not end up voting for us. Uh, he is a four in the database. It's really Damn. upsetting. Um, yeah. Uh, why adopt such a de divisive strategy? <laughs> because to the extent practical, the original... Because to the extent practical, comma, what is the extent practical? Again, this is something out of a, um, a Hideaki Anno, like, anime. You know what I mean? Like, we are Shinji. Deploy the extent practical. <laughs> um... <laughs> The original goals of progressive parties have been largely accomplished. Unemployment insurance has been introduced, universal health care enacted, income supplements set up, and publicly funded pensions installed. I love that it's like the goals of progressive parties have been largely accomplished. You're writing this from Victoria, <laughs> British Columbia, the second most unequal city in the most unequal province in the entire country, like more than fucking Ontario. It's it's you know such, what I mean? and like, what what goals does he think that we accomplish? Like, what what does he think? It's, I don't it's, know. It's like, incredibly lazy. And like, what does he think a progressive party is too? Like, is he saying like the BCNDP is the progressive party? Like, like they're pro they're capital yeah. P progressive. You know what I mean? Like, well, progressive just means they're not conservative. Yeah. I just I love the idea that hey, you know. Uh, all the goals of the parties have been accomplished. So, like, let's just not focus on uh, making the world better in any, any way, shape, or we form. We should just end <laughs> politics. Yeah. Hey, why don't we just go home? No, no, we should we should end <laughs> politics through a Maoist revolution. Laurie, <laughs> um, Laurie's just you know. very, very, very revolutionary at the end of this thing. We should mail him a copy <laughs> of the Red Book. <laughs> We should we should retitle the Times Colonists, the Times the Up Times Colonists. Up. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Uh, why is their logo a heart? <laughs> Bro, have you <laughs> seen Times the Medicine Hat News logo? It's not good. I, I'll be honest, Jeremy, I respect your work as a journalist, but I've never read the Medicine Hat News. <laughs> um, it, it's, its logo is problematic. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, 
I'll read the last sentence of this article. Um, but with equity theory, a fertile new field for political activism has been opened. This was the disguised intent of last week's budget. Jeff Johnson, music needs to be a core <laughs> part of the curriculum, not an extra. Trevor Hancock, creating well-being from the personal to the planetary. planetary. Hell yeah, Trevor Hancock. Um, hell yeah. <laughs> More like Trevor Hancock, am I right? Um, Jesus Christ, I will please. not have you talk about Trevor like this on my show. No, I have you no idea. Uh, okay. <laughs> no, but, you know, um, these are two incredibly, incredibly shitty columns. And I think in their own ways, like, I I, I really do think that Laurie uh, never gives anybody the opportunity to even try to take him seriously because he's just like equity is bad and it's different than equality and i'm not really going to explain why but i don't think groups yeah, of people it's like matter a fucking like it's like a fucking like grade eight essay by some kid who thinks they're like hot shit because they just learned a new word <laughs> yeah um i will say the best piece of writing in the in the Times colonist um, is the obituary section, which I'm looking at right now. <laughs> so what do you guys think is worse, though? Do you think the, the McFarlane or McFarlane uh, column is worse than Dr. Deborah So just uh, taking a big shit in the Wait, I thought it was Kelly McFarlane. <laughs> <laughs> which column did you guys think was worse? Uh, Deborah, because it gets more, it got way more play. Yeah. Like, no one cares what Laurie has to say. Yeah, like, Laurie's never been on Joe Rogan, um, though he should go on Rogan. I think he'd be a good fit. It'd be hilarious if he went on. Yeah, like, the fact this person is, like, a ghost online is sort of scary. You know what I mean? It's low-key sus. It is extremely sus. It is, like, deeply, deeply sus. obviously, Deborah So's column is clear like it's clearly worse right like she was number yeah. one most read on globe and mail which is stunning, which is stunning. and it, it, i think most of yeah. those people just like hate reading it because i i don't think it was mostly people hate reading it i think you're underestimating like middle-aged wealthy white people yeah. who read the globe and mail like they just want to be told they're great and and that's that's what i nobody can take it away from them well they are great jeremy that's what you need to accept. You need to accept Deborah so thought. <laughs> Some people are just inherently better than others. <laughs> well, I mean, when you put it like that. <laughs> In addition to getting more play, uh, I think it does speak to this sort of like, I want to say burgeoning. Like, it's always been there, but it's sort of like becoming a known quantity, especially in the pages of the Centrist Globe and Mail of this, like, upper middle class version of veiled like white supremacy that is uh, like at its core no different than what the sun peddles right you know i think it's like evident in like stuff like from conrad yakabuski recently and this deborah so article and just uh just other editorial decisions i've seen the globe make in the past i want to say year since publishing that stupid uh, Ezra Levant, I guess, apologia. Oh, which they asked him to, right? They didn't just, Ezra didn't like yeah. submit something to them, and they're like, yeah, okay, fine, yeah. we'll publish it. Um, they were like, Ezra, we need you to talk about free speech, because you are an expert in that field. I think, like, one thing about the Deborah So 
column that really pisses me off that i mean we we kind of touched on but it's like that that weird thing that the globe keeps um pushing in these columns that you know the academy is special and like we should treat it as such and Mm -hmm. any sort of trying to improve society somewhat inside it is like it's absolutely unacceptable and it's going to ruin academics like it it's just it's stupid and it's because people that have been in school for too long think it's more important than it is and it's like you're not special you don't get special rules because you're in academia like you're gonna have to engage with the rest of society whether you like it or not because like you're a part of it if you take the position that capitalism will always like evolve and mutate to protect itself, that applies to like outshoots of capitalism, like white supremacy as well, right? Like that, and that's like a hundred percent what this is. Is like you can't, you can no longer couch your racism into scientific mm-hmm. explanations, right? Um, so now you're trying to push like this, like individualistic narrative of like, well, the the actual racists are you, right? Type of analysis because you're scared of capitalism being co-opted by (laughs) non-whites right like ultimately like all of this leads back to the fact that like all of this like will run back to the fact that capitalism is still like the dominant superstructure in our lives you know it's just like um it's just like who has control of that of of the actual capital right not even the means of production this is something that they, they see as like a threat to their to their capital ownership. Like, this person got so mad at a fucking entrepreneur <laughs> fund. You know what I mean? This is the point of the show where we start talking about things that weren't total shit that we read this week. So, Abdul, as our guest, what's something that you've read this week that maybe didn't suck so much? <clears throat> I try to read every day, but... This was the first week uh, since the year began where I actually took a sabbatical from reading because I like needed to give my brain a break. Like I'm writing a lot for work and I sort of just needed to like decompress. Uh, but I will recommend um, two things. I'll recommend the television series Halt and Catch Fire. Uh, easily a top five show of all time for me. Easily a perfect um, four seasons of television it is amazing everyone should watch it i'll also recommend big brother canada please do not spoil the ending for me it aired tonight and i won't be able to watch it till tomorrow because that's when it goes on streaming he dies um okay the big brother (laughs) dies yes okay good yes (laughs) Um, we regret to inform you that the big brother has has passed away from from covid19 related complications um, yeah, I will recommend, uh, both of those things in terms of just like, I guess, you know, general reading or whatever. I read an article about my movie. That was cool. <laughs> yeah. Plug your movie, Abdul. Don't be humble. Oh yeah. I'll just do my pluggables now. Um, I host a podcast called the off court podcast. The off court podcast is, uh, is yeah. A seasonal podcast. We just finished recording season two. Seasonal. It will be out. Yes, in like your a ears soon. <laughs> or a good friend. I swear to God, um, um, ever since I've learned what Yuletide means, I refuse to say Christmas. <laughs> you need to use that as like a promo <laughs> for your podcast. Seasonal like a Yuletide ham. <laughs> the Off Court Podcast Season 2, baby. Yeah, you can. That, that can be my like testimonial if you want. We, um, 
because it is it is the product of a Muslim and a Jew, we do release the podcast based on lunar cycles. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Uh, <laughs> two weeks earlier every year, baby. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah the the podcast is about the political economy, history, and niche politics of sports. Uh, we have a lot of great episodes from season one. You should listen to at Off Court Pod on Twitter. Um, I highly recommend our episode on how the YMCA created Israel. Um, which is probably the most insane story we got into. It involves Nazis, a dead cat, um, and the country of Pakistan. So yeah, no. For all my Israel heads who uh, listen, or Israel Palestine heads you listen, there's a there's a few episodes for you at uh, off. We got so deep. I think Aton thought I was um, I was like. Um, anti-semitic because i was like yeah we should do multiple episodes on israel he's like hey like yes but also why are you singling (laughs) israel out but also he's just like why why me like why are you making me do all the israel research and like why did you pitch so many of these to me um i i end up doing the research for the ymca one um i'll also plug myself at socialist raptor on twitter I'm a Raptors fan. I'm a socialist. These things synthesize on my Twitter feed. And um, <laughs> maybe not by the time this is released because of the things I've said. <laughs> um, I have a film uh, premiering at the Tribeca Film Festival that I wrote. Uh, it's a very liberal immigrant story um, about immigrant individualistic success, but I'm very proud of it. And my parents will love it, uh, even if it's not a film like I would seek out on my own. But it is a studio feature film, which is more success than most people have in this industry, uh, called Peace by Chocolate. True story based on the Haddad family in Nova Scotia. It's big. You know what I mean? Like, it's a, it's a huge deal to get a film at Tribeca. It's a huge film to get a film made by Telefilm. Um, and I have definitely toned myself down for this podcast, which is saying something. So, um, you know, please hire me on more writing jobs, uh, studios that are listening uh, to Big Shiny <laughs> We're a big studio podcast. Uh, yeah, those are all my bubbles. Yeah. We're a yeah. think tank. Yeah. Big Shiny Takes Institute. BSTI. Uh, Marino, did you read or write or see or do anything that you would want our audience to know about? I did read, I actually did read a pretty good essay from the Hoser team. I've mentioned them before, uh, Kevin Tagamon and Shannon Karanko. Uh, Kevin fucking rules. Kevin is so mm-hmm. fucking good. Mm-hmm. Um, in this house, we definitely stand Kevin Tagamon. Do you know him from Toronto? I actually met him through uh, the podcast I was never on. <laughs> But like, but like, yeah, like I've followed his writing for a bit ever since and like seeing him like actually like get work as a journalist and join the hoser and stuff like that has been awesome. He's like extremely talented and extremely good. So anyways, uh, yeah, the title of the uh, essay is Why We Write. Uh, We'll link it in the show notes. It's pretty good. It's a pretty good explanation of how, uh, you know, centralized massive media operations in Toronto really don't tell or really fail at telling smaller stories and important uh, stories and just sort of like have editorial bents uh, designed uh, by well-heeled interests. And uh, other than that, I don't know, I've been pretty busy with a new job. I got Returnal on PS5. It's very fun, roguelike. It's very hard. It is very hard. Uh, But uh, yeah, it has like bullet hell elements. Anyways. uh, It's Housemark is a bullet hell, like, producer right 
That explains quite a bit, actually. You can tell we all got played <laughs> a lot. <laughs> but, I, but I digress. That's pretty much it for me. Jeremy. Jeremy, read or see or do anything cool. Yeah. Um, actually, I read a quite good feature piece in Harper's Magazine, which you can find on newsstands near you. Um, a piece about actually an issue that we've talked about before on the show, and that is the caliphate blunder from the New York Times. Uh, the piece is very cleverly called Sign of the Times, uh, Caliphate in the Perils of Reporting Online by James Harkin. I quite recommend it. Um, I'll also shout out a little little outlet called The Sprawl which has been uh, publishing uh, some great stuff, um, especially in the past, like, I don't know, six months. Um, but this piece is by a guy by the name of Taylor Lambert called The Human Cost of Climate Change. It's the third part in, like, a three-part series on the climate crisis. Definitely check that out. Taylor's a good reporter. Glad to work with him. Yeah, that's about it. Bye. 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 <laughs> it's me and Shiny Tates, the only anti-free speech podcast. Me and Shiny Tates, reading garbage for your brain. It's me and Shiny Tates, with Jeremy, Eric, and Marino. Me and Shiny Tates are sure to entertain, are sure to entertain.